a kid might sort of think, oh, it's you know, what's, what's this that Dad's just bought? It's not up and go. It's, you know, go out and get pissed. With over 25 years in the field, Cryobalt has been bringing you the best local and imported malts. They are your premium brewing partner and they are proud sponsors of this. And this is Good Brews Week. I'm your host, Pete Mitchum, and this week I'm joined all the way from Amsterdam by Matt Kierkegaard. G'day, Matt. Morning, Pete. Morning, Pete. And uh, morning, listeners. And uh, very quick up front, uh, we're, we're recording this. Apparently there was a little bit of crackle on last week's podcast. We're not sure what's caused it. We've been trying to troubleshoot it now, but... Uh, just bear with us. And listeners, if you can hear any unusual noise, just assume that it is the gentle ticking of windmills in the background somewhere <laughs> near Matt. Or satellites passing overhead, something along those lines. And Matt, we should point out that you're not actually in uh, room 316 of any salubrious hotel over there in Amsterdam. You're actually uh, giving your travelling partner a little bit of a break. Um, tell us, where are you uh, from where are you recording? Now, the hotel that I'm in is apparently the original Heineken brewery. Um, where the uh, Holscher brothers uh, partnered up with uh, Mr Heineken to, to found the brewery several hundred years ago. I only got in yesterday. Haven't had a chance to completely get across the history, but there is a lot of uh, brewing and Heine- Mr Heineken uh, paraphernalia around here. So uh, I will... So let me get this straight. You are actually record- You are staying in a hotel, but the hotel used to be... A brewery, or is is still a brewery, or once was a brewery? I'm not staying. No, 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 no not staying in a brewery. Uh, staying in a hotel, and uh, a, a, actually, it's, it's... Yeah, well, yeah, I'm guessing I'm probably not the only one of the listeners here who uh, perhaps assumed that you might have been staying in a brewery. I mean, you've you've just you know hooked this trip. You've been over in uh, in Germany, then you've hitchhiked over to to Lille for some more fun, and now you're um, now you're in Amsterdam. Yeah, well, this is a little bit more, you know, as you know, Pete, we're never not working when we're in the in, in the beer game, but this is a little bit more sightseeing. Um, but yeah, no, so just, uh, and I just went to booking.com, looked for somewhere that was relatively central. This came up at a, you know, at a Brews News budget price, and uh, I, I booked it, and it was only later that I found out that uh, I was staying in a brewery. What are the odds? It, it's interesting because I think a lot of the old houses here, um, you know, were once warehouses, or because the canals were used for transport and they were used for warehouses, and sometimes I would live above them. So I think, um, you know, old factories over the <laughs> course. Of... Is that how they pronounce it over there? Is it warehouse? Ah, okay. Yeah, no, I haven't seen it. But there's 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 a pungent uh, smoke that hangs over the place. That uh, yeah, open windows, red light on display. You know what I mean? Yes, it's it's a little bit herbal, um, and uh, yeah. So, <laughs> a, a, a little... Is it um, is it similar to the uh, the waft? I guess that we uh, that we certainly encountered in San Francisco, uh, a little bit in San Diego, certainly in Portland, and very much so in Denver. A, a little bit, yes, yes. You, you you get hungry just walking around the place. But uh, anyway, yeah. So it's it, it's been fascinating. And speaking of hungry, I'm guessing our listeners have got a little bit hungry now for some news. And uh, I don't know if you've been catching up over there. There's been a, a, a little bit of news happening. My talk to me. Has anything happened this week? I, I, you know, I just don't know. I just sort of feel that it's been a quiet week. <laughs> yeah. So uh, funny thing happened while you were in Amsterdam. Lion Australia snaps up New Belgium Brewing. Australia's Lion has snapped up Colorado-based New Belgium Brewing, the fourth largest craft brewer in the United States, in an effort to expand on the international stage. Uh, Forbes estimates that the brewery made around about $234 US million last year with a net profit of $17 US million. Pretty big news, uh, Matt, and I would imagine that for most of our listeners, or many of our listeners, who have, certainly those who have, who have been around a little bit longer, uh, 
New Belgium is one of those breweries, I guess, that we really hold dear, and it's it's one of those breweries that uh, I guess we can look to if you were to compare it to um, the Australian scene. I guess it's as close as you could get to say a stone and wood in terms of the way they go about their their business. Uh, that 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 sort of thing, and I mean in terms of um, very focused on its its brewing partners, i.e., its its staff. And very much, obviously, in a in a brewing in a in a business sense, but also I think in terms of being treated like family. But more importantly, I th- and I, I think I'm right with this one uh, in terms of having a, a profit share or a, a share option ownership kind of um, uh, set up with the owners. And so, not unfair to compare it favourably to to Stone and Wood. Um, in that, look, I don't think we have any any other brewery that I guess comes close to that model. Not at all. And, and, and in fact, I think that it would be fair to say that Stone and Wood has looked very closely at the New Belgium story um, and, you know, learned a lot. I, I know that they've got a close relationship. Uh, Square Keg distributes New Belgium or did distribute New Belgium over here. Um, I, I, I think that they have learned a lot um, from their relationship with New Belgium. Um, and to, to some extent, it, it, it's, it's watching the way that Stone and Wood manages itself. Um, when you see the, the issues that some of the larger breweries like New Belgium have faced um, as they've grown and as craft beer has slowed, that when we talked about the Peloton effect a couple of weeks ago, it was very much uh, what formed that view for me because Stone and Wood seems to have learned a lot um, from New Belgium, and also watched what they've gone through, and you know, put out measures in advance to try and offset it. Yeah, and yeah, I'm pretty sure there's a, a relationship there, and I'm, I don't think I'm wrong in saying that it was either Brad Rogers or Jamie Cook who was instrumental in arranging for Kim Jordan to come out a couple of years ago now for BrewCon, or I think it was the, the CBC. Uh, conference in uh, in Adelaide which was quite interesting just as uh, the a or just as the CBC CBIA um, became the IBA and Kim gave a sort of very strong you know we, we had a podcast um, with her and you, you know talked about things of independence and she didn't come out as a real independence firebrand the way that some brewers do you know but she did talk about um what independence means and its importance and, and, and those sorts of things as befitted an independent brewer. But then she did also look at the flip side of what, um, you know, the, 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 the lure of big brewery involvement brings. There, there is so much to unpack about this. There are so many levels of it. Um, you know, first of all, Lion Australia. You know, it, it says a lot about Lion Australia. Well, Little World Beverages. Little World Beverages is Kieran's... Well, we've talked about it on the podcast um in, in the past, how, you know, Little Creatures is going international. Um, it's been Lion Australia that has been buying the English breweries. Um, it's been Lion Australia that has been distributing Brooklyn, even though Kieran took that partnership. But more and more, Kieran seems to be turning to Lion Australia to execute its global craft beer strategy, which is a huge pat on the back to, to Lion. It's a huge vote of confidence to, to how Kieran sees Lion's craft beer strategy. Um, so, so that's one thing. But, you know, it, it's, it's an interesting thing to see. We are seeing in the US the biggest craft breweries are really finding it hard to grow. Um, and we're seeing some of the decisions that have been made come back to haunt 
haunt them. Um, when, when I looked into the, the, this story breaking, the employee share scheme, I understand New Belgium had to borrow quite a bit of money in order to fund that scheme. Um, and, then, and, and all of that happened at a time when craft beer in the US was experiencing 10, 15% growth. Um, at the same time, or shortly afterwards, uh, New Belgium committed to building what I've seen quoted anywhere between 120 and 140 million US expansion brewery in Asheville, um, North Carolina, um, you know, which gave them a 50% increase in their, in their volumes. Even before that came online, they'd borrowed the money, they'd committed to the expense, but even before the brewery came online, New Belgium went from 10% growth to suddenly having you know, its first down year, I, I believe, in its existence. And even the, the figures you read out in the intro there, Prof, um, the brewery made $234 million last year, um, which I think was pretty much on par with what it made in 2014, 2015, when this brewery was coming on. So they're just not growing. You'd imagine that all of those costs that they have incurred on, on, on hock, you know, borrowing money from the bank, was done with a spreadsheet in front of them saying, well, we can expect X percentage of growth coming up so we can service these debts. And you, you wonder how much this was forced on them as opposed to it being a great strategic move, you know, whether you know, lines come in um, as a bit of a vulture fund. Well, yeah, is it a great strategic move when crappy is growing at 15%, but then when it drops to 4% or, you know, it, it plateaus out or whatever, well, it's great, you know, we're still making money, but we're, we're, st we're not making the, the money that we had sort of budgeted for. And decisions that were made when you thought it was going to be, you know, and, and just equate it to your, to, to your home life, you know, um, I was speaking to somebody recently in a, uh, down in the Hunter Valley, and because you've got the mining industry, you've got the, um, you know, the, the, the Air Force base and all of those sorts of things. Uh, you know, when the mining industry is, is going great guns, everyone's got, you know, like a, a big four-wheel, brand-new four-wheel drive. They've got a jet ski. They've got a boat. Um, suddenly the, you know, coal price comes off or, you know, something happens. And apparently there's a strip down in the Hunter that is just basically a, a showroom for second-hand jet skis um, because... You know, all of this, you know, gee, I'm earning, you know, high six figures, you know, I'm earning $140,000, $150,000 a year as a 25, 26-year-old um, mine worker. And then suddenly, uh, yeah, and, and this thing that you've leased thinking, you know, it's, it's always going to stay the same. And, yeah, so I, I, I do wonder, look, look, look at this and sort of wonder whether this was New Belgium going, this is what we want to do or this is what we have to do because we're getting crushed under our debts. Um, or, you know, and, and all we can do is speculate with this sort of stuff because nobody ever comes out and says, you know something, we had to do this. You know, it's always... It, it, it was a quite a muted introduction. Press release was very muted, sort of saying, you know, they're brewers, brewers and stuff like that, which you could certainly argue that they are. Um, Stephen Beaumont made some interesting comments about the breweries that Lion has taken over, whether it's Emerson's or Panhead, Little Creatures, certainly haven't seen a, a loss of quality, um, and, and that's very much a, a pro. But, yeah, I mean, you, you have to speculate about what drove it, but I don't think anybody um, who has built a legacy as being... I, I believe Kim spent a lot of time on the... Brewers Association board, you know, a champion for independence. Um, Dick Cantwell is her partner. 
Um, and that, that was a very interesting thing that Brewbound's article coverage uh, pointed out was that New Belgium took a controlling stake in um, Dick Cantwell's Magnolia. Dick had been with Elysian Brewing and was the one of the three partners that voted against the sale to AB InBev. Um, has you know this year been quite outspoken about um, what a you know how he was against it and he thought that it hurt the business. He then bought Magnolia. New Belgium invested in that, and as a result, Lion has picked up uh, Magnolia. Um, so there was obviously no change of control provision, or that he was quite happy for it to be taken over. But you get the feeling that when in against that backdrop, this wasn't something that they would they were chasing, but their hands were kind of forced on them. Yeah, and uh, interestingly, it just, just occurred to me then, as you said that, that um, Dick Cantwell uh, was also the keynote speaker the year before Kim Jordan, I think it was, in um, uh, in uh, Brucon in Brisbane. Uh, absolutely, again, and had a, I had a really... Uh, and I think I recall him being you know quite staunch, uh, I, if my memory serves me correctly. At the time, he wasn't... He was talking about the whole Elysian thing, but I don't think he'd bought Magnolia. I don't think he'd moved on. I think he might have been sort of in between breweries at, at that time. I don't know if he had. Yeah, and I, I don't know. I, I don't have the timelines in front of me, but he was certainly very, you know, and, and even... Yeah, my recollection was that he was here, I guess, as a, as a representative of the the Brewers Association rather than the representative of a, mm. a particular brewery. And if you're a listener of the podcast, go and listen to those two conversations because Kim was sitting across from Dick and Dick was sitting across from Kim when I spoke to the two of them at uh, Brewcon last year and he chimed in a little bit and there was a little bit of um, interplay between them as I recorded the, the interviews separately because there was a bit of an undercurrent about takeovers and things like that. But, you know, uh, again, Forbes covered, uh, did some coverage back in 2015 looking at the struggles of New Belgium and New Belgium had, had inquired some, um, had, had got some consultancy in um, back in 2015, you know, with a potential to look at sale. Um, maybe it was to value around the employee share plan, we, we don't really know. But, you know, the, the, this has been something. And so that was the third layer that this really brings in, and it's something that we have talked about uh, in, in the past, Prof. And that, that is, is it possible to scale independence? Um, you know, is does craft beer scale? This is something that I've raised with uh, Greg Cook in, in, in our last chat. You know, craft beer independence, all of these small breweries built themselves as being scrappy young players, being edgy, being fast and dynamic and all of these things. Those things don't scale um, easily. Um, and also consumer perception. Once you are available everywhere, just that little bit of mystique, you become seen as mainstream even though you are a fraction of the size of the mainstream people but you've you've got a lot of the problems that that come with being a big brewery and none of the assets and resources that the big breweries have in terms of marketing and access to capital and all of those things what does this sale say about the future of growing a craft brewery to a to a size um and you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I've, I've had concerns about whether craft beer and independence can grow beyond a certain size for some time. Yeah, and, and certainly if you look at, uh, particularly, I guess you know, Facebook uh, groups dedicated to, to craft beer around the, the various states and, and, and nationwide, uh, there certainly seems to be that um, 
it's more the thrill of the chase, I guess. It's the it's the journey rather than the destination. You know, it's it's more exciting to track down a beer than it is, you know, than when when you actually got it. And you make a good point, Matt, that yeah, once the the thrill of the chase is over, it's sort of oh, maybe the beer doesn't taste quite as good. It was I, I really enjoyed waiting for it and getting a, the anticipation happening, but then once I've actually got it, it's kind of oh no, actually I, I want the thrill of the chase. Maybe it doesn't taste quite as good if it's um, if it's easier to get. Oh, and you can't, you know, flavour is a perception. It, it it's not a sense, um, and so it does bring in all of those things, but. You know, the beer doesn't get worse. Um, in fact, you know, in a lot of ways, a lot of metrics, it gets better, um, you know, better quality. But there is just that feeling. One of the things that has given rise to craft beer isn't what's in the bottle. It's what's in the brand, for want of a better word. You know, we've been wanting to relate to small local um, breweries. Breweries that are a little bit edgy. Breweries that are, um, you know from our neighbourhood or, you know, point to being different from the big guys. Once you start being seen as being the big guy, you, you lose a little bit of that magic. Um, and, and it does get harder to, to get growth. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I do wonder whether the future of craft is finding a sustainable um, size that you're just happy to be at. But that brings its own problems that you know, cause problems for, for brewers. And speaking of a little bit edgy and speaking of a little bit hard to get to and uh, a little bit of secrecy and all that sort of thing, uh, Brewdog has opened. And we're crossing live now to Claire Burnett, who's... Uh, no, 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 sorry. No, we're not. Uh, apparently she's still in the queue. And uh, we've got an update there from uh, Russell Steele on, on the Facebooks, who, who says that uh, there's no parking within about a kilometre of, uh, of the new Brewdog uh, taproom. But apparently dogs are welcome and there is even a dog-friendly beer, uh, says Claire. But that's all she can say because um, she hasn't actually got yet to try the beer yet. Hopefully she hasn't tried some of the dog-friendly beer um, out of the bowl <laughs> in the front while she's waiting to get in. Oh, mate, hasn't this been... Yeah, so... Uh, oh, you know, actually, yeah, looking at the photo, perhaps she, perhaps Claire got knocked back uh, because she's not wearing high-vis. Yeah, well, there, there are a lot of workers around there, but there were, there were some... I'm not sure why she went today and not to the bloggers and unofficial soft opening last night that had the minister parading about. Um, so I'll have to, uh, you know, I'd... I'd have to, to get to get to the bottom of that one, but maybe she just wanted to go and get or, the yeah. Well, she possibly just wanted to give it a little bit more time, give them a bit more time to, to dial it in. Dial it in, <laughs> maybe. But maybe she uh, just wanted to get the experience that the everyday beer drinker um, or grog monster um, wants to uh, <laughs> booze hound. What, what, what wants to yeah booze hound wants to get um, as opposed to the uh, you know the, 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 the glitterati of the of the beer world I, I I don't know but yeah look good to say we, sh- we should point out it's the tap room that's open they're still dialing in the brewery itself still dialing yeah but interesting to say that I think around about nine or ten of the taps are uh, dedicated to to local uh, Brisbane. Uh, and Queensland breweries. And hasn't that garnered some attention? Now, b- before we move on to that, can we just kill it once for all? It's not a $30 million brewery. It's not a $10 million brewery. Uh, you know, that was the figure that everyone is quoting. Brewdog are very good at spinning this figure, but I noticed that the jobs figure has been, uh, that was going to create 230-odd jobs. It's now back to 100, and we'll talk about that. But yeah, um, the brewery's not open, but the tap room is. No, the, the brewery's not open, but the tap room is, and you've got 10 uh, local beers. Hasn't that gotten a little bit of uh, airplay? You know, they're, they're the great guys of the beer world. They're, they're, that's why I went down the rabbit hole of the jobs, because the number of jobs that Brewdog, uh, inverted commas, creating has been the government's big push. 
Brisbane marketing is being saying, you know, saying that this puts Brisbane on the map, and I can understand Brisbane marketing's perception around that because having you know one of the four breweries, you know, in places like uh, Scotland, Berlin, um, uh, America, you know, puts Brisbane on the map. It, 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 it's great. Whether it'll bring a flood of tourists internationally here, who knows? But it would want to because hospitality is a zero-sum game. You know, it, one place opens one place closes, unless a place is so awesome that it gets more people off their couches, out from in front of their Netflix and Uber Eats, and gets them out spending money in a venue. Brewdog isn't creating jobs, it's transferring jobs from the venues that are going to be under pressure. And there are a lot of craft breweries in Brisbane um, that are, you know, doing it tough. It's it's not, I think the, the, the owners are finding that it's not just, you know, build it and they'll come. It is a hard graft and they're working very hard to make sure that their venues are open, you know, day in, day out. And suddenly the Queensland government has incentivised a massively um, private equity funded international owned uh, brewery to come in and unless it really does increase the level of uh, Brisbaneite participation or bring a lot of tourists in... It's just putting more pressure on locally owned and um, supported. Hopefully that doesn't sound xenophobic. It's not meant to be. It's, it's, it's not criticising Brewdog. It's more a, um, you know, this idea that the Queensland government has created jobs. I just don't see any case that they have actually done that, particularly now that the construction's over. Spot on. And it's something that the average punter uh, looking at Brewdog outside of the craft bubble certainly wouldn't take into account. You'd look at the numbers, if, well, if they say it's a $30 million brewery or operation, you assume, you assume brewery, 230 jobs, you assume that they're jobs that are created in and around the, the venue or as a result of building the venue. But you can't blame government for wanting to grab any feel-good element of the story in order to, you know... Oh, they've, they've got to sell it because... This is- Part of our craft beer strategy. Absolutely, and they've got it. Well, it was the reason for the craft beer strategy because they made such a balls up of you know bringing Brewdog in and suddenly people going, hey, did you know that you've actually got some of your own here that you've done nothing for? You know, well, the other question is, if it's so exciting that Brewdog has these 10 taps of local craft beers on, why do we need Brewdog? Yeah, all we needed was was just another venue. All, all we needed is a little bit of marketing and tourism support to lure people to those breweries in the first place. Um, and, and, you know, I find it a little bit interesting that, um, you know, these breweries are trumpeting, oh, isn't it awesome we're on a brew dog? You know, it's a little bit like, you know, isn't it awesome that we've jumped into the wolf's, you know, we've put our head in the wolf's mouth? Um, because this is, and one thing brew dog has clearly said, this is the first tap room. Um, it's not the last tap room. Um, they're not here to build those breweries. Um, they are going to. This is part of an expansion. They've got 92 tap rooms globally now. They're eyeing off more in Australia. That is their plan. This is a uh, front, you know. Th- 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 this is a touch point for a chain of, of uh, brew pubs that are going to be preferencing Brewdog's beers. Um, and, you know, it's 10 taps of uh, local craft beer now. I wonder how long that'll stay as 10 taps. Uh, anyway, yeah, good, good on them. Um, I, I look forward to, to checking it out when I get home. Yeah, as I say, the, the proof of the pudding is the pudding. If people are going to embrace it and be exposed to other beers, it's perhaps not the worst thing that might happen. 
We'll, we'll keep an eye on it. Yeah, okay. And yeah, look, again, and, and I'm taking the, the um, glass um, has only got a drop left in it uh, view. Um, they're, they're, it's, not, it's not all bad. As I said, it, it's great for Brisbane. It does create, you know, Brewdog are very good at engaging people in craft beer and, and all of those sorts of things. Yeah, and at the moment, as we speak, there's more taps in Brisbane than there the were, you know, last week. Yeah, but whether... But, 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 but there but, are. Well, what, what, but, but what, do we need more taps? Yeah, but, but look at felons. Um, you know, like felons, there was a story recently that the opening of felons in the Howard Smith Wharves precinct has had a massive effect on South Bank um, and venues that are operating over in South Bank. Um, and Howard Smith Wharves is a locally owned, um, you know, really, you know, awesome tourist attraction for Brisbane. Um, and yet it has still had a major effect on another precinct in 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 Brisbane. Um, so just having more taps isn't a great thing for craft brewers who suddenly have fewer um, independent taps that they can they can access. It's not necessarily great for operators that are already struggling um, that are owned locally owned as opposed to private equity you know, equity backed international player. So you know I'd, I'd, with the exception of putting Brisbane on their global map in, in, in a beer sense and what benefits that will bring in, I don't know. For any argument you can put up for, for Brewdog, I'm pretty sure I could come up with a um, trumping one uh, about the, the damage that they do. Uh, and uh, happy birthday to felons, because as you're listening to this, or certainly as this podcast is published uh, Friday, I think they're celebrating their first birthday. I'm missing everything. Gee, I, I, yeah, I, I'm no, not travelling again, just Pete. Sell those frequent flyer points and <laughs> lounge pass and get get back home to check out where the real beer is. And in other news, uh, ABAC upholds the One Drop Kellogg's IPA complaints. Complaints about One Drop Brewing Company and Kellogg's Cornflakes Nitro Milkshake IPA have been upheld by ABAC. Whilst complainants are usually anonymous, Anti-Alcohol Lobby Group, the Foundation for Alcohol Research and Education, uh, also known to us uh, here at uh, Radio Brews News as FAIR, announced publicly in an unusual move last month that it would be making a complaint about the beer. Overall, three complainants reported the, the brew to ABAC. ABAC said the Australian Brewer of Statistics data showed that cornflakes and milkshakes are consumed extensively by under 18-year-olds, contradicting the research commissioned by Kellogg's and cited by OneDrop in relation to the demographics of cornflakes consumers. Taking the packaging as a whole and keeping in mind that an average consumer may not pick up a can and examine it in fine detail, ABAC said there was a strong and direct association made with cornflakes uh, licks which are more prominent than indication of it as a style of beer. It also said that the milkshake references blur this line further and could create confusion with a soft or non-alcoholic drink like milk. It, it, it's one of those things that the more that they have to um, try and analyse it, you know, it, it, the, 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 the more detail you go in to do it, the, the more ridiculous it seems. You know, I, 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 I think it's just patent that Kellogg's is, is a, um, you know, Kellogg's Cornflakes is a breakfast cereal. It has the potential um, to appeal to children. You know, it, to, to, to be it not targeted at children, but it has the potential to appeal. You know, I, 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 the, the, there's, there's a certain level of um, silliness that comes when, when they try and break it down to, to its component parts. Um, but, that, but that's the challenge that they've got. Um, more, more, you know, more interesting has been the reaction 
um, from people, and it, it, it's often people outside of the industry or people in the retailing um, more so than brewers criticising, um, but saying, well, you can only buy this on licensed premises, misses the point. You know, um, locking away um, cigarettes so and asking for ID is one element, but making the product attractive to miners um, is, is another part of the giving up smoking thing. And that's the point that they, that, that they miss. Well, that also ignores the possibility, I guess, that shags might go and buy the beer, then bring it home, put it in the fridge, put it next to the, I don't know, the other non-alcoholic beverages in the fridge and, and be confused. And the kid might sort of think, Oh, it's you know, what's what's this that Dad's just bought? It's not up and go. It's you know, go out and get pissed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and and, and there, yes, yeah, so, and that's a possibility and all. But it's it's just more about not trying to make alcohol and drinking and things attractive to children. Um, and actually, Prof, there, there are two things I've been mulling about in in the the, the long travel periods uh, I've been having about this. And one is, do we really need to trivialise? beer this much you know there is just a level of silliness you know about alcohol we you know, i'm not saying that you, you yeah so you're are you intimating that there's no reason we can't make beer cool and hip and interesting and all that sort of thing without necessarily making it cartoony infantilizing it yeah and i'm not saying necessarily just using cartoons you know just to sell a beer or whatever but that's an element of it but dumbing it down you know let's put our Big boy pants on and, and you know big up beer. Absolutely, we're infantilizing alcohol, which probably isn't a great thing. Um, and, and and the second thing, and I was sort of looking at it this week, you know, particularly at Brow, when you look at, you've got some of the biggest brewery equipment manufacturers in the world making um, brewing equipment specifically for small brewers. You know, malt, hops, um, you know, yeasts. Um, you know, governments, you know, to, to some extent, are helping brewers set up. Um, you know, it's never been easier to 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 be a brewery. Um, and if you go back twenty years ago, when you used to have to find some dairy equipment, or you know, people had businesses trying to source secondhand brewing equipment from around the world um, because there just wasn't um, brewing equipment. You couldn't get ingredients. All of these things. To to hear some of the people that want to put cartoons on their beer cans and say you're killing craft beer and you're killing you know my creativity and you're making it yeah and you're sort of making it very very hard for my business to survive um you know guys i i i I think you're talking from a position of craft beer privilege you know check your privilege check your check your privilege a little bit yeah yeah and i and i wonder how much it has to do with you know in the old days beer was in brown bottles and had crown seals and it it looked like beer without even having to look at the label whereas cans take away you know you take away the brown bottle element and the crown seal and it, there's nothing necessarily to suggest that it's got beer in it yeah and and that's something we've talked about um the vernacular of beer design you know like it used to be a shield on a bottle with you know the sort of arching text over the top and 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 so you looked at a beer bottle and you looked at a beer bottle and then you looked at a soft drink can of solo even a soft drink can of solo that was had a few cues because solo was for for blokes with bushy mustaches it wasn't the kids soft drink it was the adult soft drink um but even that you know had a different design vernacular to some extent um 
to to be it, but it drew its cues from. And so you could tell that Solo was the thirst crusher, was the beer for adults. Oh, the, 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 sorry, the soft drink for adults, yes. Because it was designed to look a little bit like, um, you know, a little bit more like a beer. Um, and that's what design does. Design signals stuff that communicates a message. So we've all got a responsibility. And the other thing too, we keep banging on about this, but if, if you get a smack on the wrist for an ABAC infringement, don't take it as an opportunity to get up on the soapbox and, you know, shout about free speech and creativity. Just just cop it. Um, it's still a lot better than the... The situation we've got at the moment is a lot better than the alternative, which is the government, you know, jumping in and, and setting in a, a much harsher set of guidelines. It will be far worse, and they will have a much stronger voice um, from from FAIR. And actually, there was a little bit of discussion about FAIR this, this week about um, retail drinks, so um, we, we probably won't go too much into that this week. Um, uh, but, but go seek it out and just how, how loose they're playing with dodgy research in order to justify, um, even in the, in the face of fewer young people uh, being problem drinkers. Uh, just before we move off from, from ABAC um, and, and the, the, the cornflakes one, let, let, let's not kid ourselves about this is um, you know, some kind of noble uh, beer um, that's pushing boundaries and you know, advancing the cause of craft beer. It was, you know, and this isn't criticism. This is just what I sort of think is, you know, what I hope is a fair observation. It was about the fifth or sixth beer in the world made with um, cornflakes. Uh, somebody overseas had said, hey, let's use, uh, you know, um, the, the cornflakes that we can't use and save food waste and make a beer out of it. Nice little gimmick. Um, this was a beer that was designed to be a gimmick, create a few headlines. It was a one-off. It wasn't saving the world. It was in partnership, not with some tiny little, um, you know, boutique coffee roaster or, you know, hand independent cereal maker. It was a big multinational company looking for, you know, a little bit of the pixie dust that craft beer can provide at this moment in time to give them a little bit of cool wow factor. And... It blew up in their face, and you know, I, I, it, it, it's a little bit like um, the Daily Tele, you know, the or sort of the what is it, the Daily Mail, um, you know, ripping off other journalist stories and um, you know, running you know a, a shit sheet, talking about journalistic integrity and the freedom of the press. Um, you know, it's it, 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 it's a beer that was designed to get a little bit of hype and a little bit of coverage. Um, let, let's not say that we'll die in the ditch over yep, this one. and it certainly ticked that box. Now, Matt, as we get towards the festive season, I, I want to break into song, and I uh, don't know if you're familiar with the old song, on the 25th day of Christmas, my true love sent to me an exploding can. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's, let, let's not trivialise this too much, but yes, uh, I, I, I saw some photos on social media of some... <laughs> of... Yeah, did, did you see some of those that, that looked like... Um, American footballs, gridiron footballs, they were so pointed and sort of blown out at, at either end. They look like my belt on Christmas, uh, after Christmas lunch. <laughs> about about 3.30. <laughs> Yeah, uh, an issue has been identified where there is a risk of excess fermentation in the container. This is due to the beer being prematurely chilled and packaged, resulting in residual fermentable sugars remaining in the can, which, when combined with the live yeast culture that resides in all Black Hops brewing beers, can continue to ferment. 
this has the potential to result in an increase in ABV, rendering the product not fit for, for sale in its current packaging, as well as excessive pressure buildup in the can, potentially leading to leaking or rupturing of the container. If you have received this year's Beer Cartel Beer Advent Calendar, or it is on its way to you, please remove the can from slot 25 and put it in the rubbish immediately. That concerned me a little bit because I was a bit worried about putting the beer in the rubbish in 40 degrees. I guess if it's contained in a in a bin outside. And look, I was presuming when I saw that that they had advice about what people should do, you know, that... Um, providing advice about putting it outside, not opening it, not releasing the pressure, because if somebody then gets their hand sliced open when they're opening it, when they're handling it, um, you know, there, there would be legal ramifications. Now, this is purely conjecture, I don't know, but I would have thought that they were. Yeah, Matt, and the fact that we're having to talk about the safest way to dispose of a beer it kind of highlights the, the greater problem that's come about. Oh, well, look again. I, I I don't want to be I, I don't want to be hard on any of the players in this at all because um, there, there was actually a really nice article that has only just gone up as we're recording this um, that, that 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 Claire did, which was an interesting take on it. Um, you know, on one hand, um, everybody since the issue was raised has handled it um, in a really appropriate way, and we've seen over the last twelve to eighteen months. Um, you know, brewers, the, the, the fact that Black Hops had a recall procedure that was able to kick in um, so well, the, and, you know, the, the um, beer cartel guys handled it really well. They got on the front foot. It got out there very, very, very quickly. Um, you know, that was just an awesome um, thing. But these sorts of things are going to happen. But Claire's take on it, uh, you know, she spoke to um, Toto Marketing, um, talking about, you know, these. this is the problem with being a small, edgy, dynamic, um, you know, craft brewery who's looking for novelty, looking for the next thing, looking for a bit of wow, um, turning it around quickly to get into a, uh, a box like this. These sorts of things can happen. And... Should it happen with a food product? Um, arguably not. Um, but do we want brewers to experiment and push boundaries? Yes. But it's you know. So I guess that's that's the very real issue that, that we've had. Uh, well done to to be a cartel getting on the front foot and addressing this issue as soon as they became aware of it. And I think of the Facebook pages, and it's certainly been shared around. You know, with a lot of other craft beer groups on, on Facebook and such. They identified the issue immediately and, and said well done to them. Uh, we should point out, you know, Beer Cartel are a, a very loyal sponsor of this particular podcast and the Australian Brews News um, site for many years, but it doesn't give them a free pass, you know, when, when something like this happens. I, you know, and it does reflect poorly on them because it's, it's, it's their brand as well as the, the Black Ops thing. But, Matt, haven't we learned... You know, this issue keeps happening. Perhaps the, the deadline for, for getting it into the, the, the calendar meant that the beer wasn't quite ready. Uh, it seemed to be ready. You know, there's commercial pressures. It, it, it's been rushed. Obviously, it's, you know, things have gone pear-shaped. I, I, I don't want to speculate on, on, on any of that, but, you know, just uh, creating a beer that's... So the, what's the alternative? The, the alternative is there's either a hole where that beer should have been and you say, look, sorry, we couldn't get that beer there. It wasn't up to up to spec, or you know, I, I appreciate that there's printed material. Perhaps it's a bit too late to replace that 
can, you know, w- with, with something else. And I do appreciate that, you know, with printed material, with tasting notes and things like that, that it's probably a little bit difficult to to get something else. But what's, what's the way of circumventing the issue? I, I, I don't know, but you've, you've, you've identified one of the, the problems. You know, when, when you look at the very first advent calendars, you know, they were fairly rudimentary affairs. I think they were just sort of boxes that had brown paper bag wrapped, you know, bottles and cans. Just drink them in order, you know, you know some uh, Xeroxed um, tasting notes, presumably. Um, and it's a big business. I, th- I think I saw something, recall affected like 45,000 calendars. I think it was certainly a really impressive number. Um, these are a big business now. Um, and, yeah, so I, I would imagine that these things would have had to have been, you know, described in tasting notes and things like that months ago for Beer Cartel to have it all done. And uh, it, it, it just shows the, the problems. And, you know, Pete, I, I remember um, thinking, God, it would have been about 13 or 14 years ago when James Squire brought out their bush smoke lager. Um, or their, their, they brought out a smoke lager. Scribbly gum. The mad That's the scribbly gum lager. Um, do you remember those days? You know, gee, the, uh, the, the early days of craft beer. 750 more bottles, mad brewers, all of that. But I remember blogging back on the, I think it was even pre-Brews News, it was on the, the, the beer mats, so saying, you know, they've brought this out at, you know, in, in February and it's meant to be their summer release. You know, we've only got a couple of weeks of summer left. Um, and when I raised it with one of the sales reps, they sort of said, oh, look, you wouldn't believe how hard it is, even though um, James Squires operates, you know, semi-autonomously, there is still a schedule that, you know, somewhere in the big house, somebody's going, OK, on this day we've got this launch, we can't have this launch conflicting with this launch because we've got sales reps out there, you know, wanting to get this beer on tap and then we've got, you know, and these things have to be timelined. And I think small brewers, as they're participating in much more regimented campaigns, whether it's gabs or whether it's, um, you know, uh, this um, advent calendar, um, they're learning... How do we schedule? How do we, um, you know, put our regular production, you know, suddenly it's Christmas. It's our biggest time of the year. We need beer in market. We need to fill the pipeline. As they say, hold on, shit, we didn't allow... And again, all of this is speculation. I don't know what happened, um, how this beer came to go out. Um, I don't know what what, what drove it. But it, 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 it does provide that sort of, you know, let's think about craft beer isn't just a couple of guys in a shed smashing out beers anymore just just the one thing i wanted to and, and i'm not saying that um pasteurization was the issue but it was one of the things that it, um, claire picked up on in her very interesting take on it so she went out and talked about it and you know dan sort of said oh look well we don't want to pasteurize um and having just come from a session at fermentus in Lille, talking about yeast and um, you know the the the, the yeast uh, driven alcohol free craft beers um, that are there's a lot of interest in alcohol free beer. I tried an alcohol free IPA um, at the HPA stand at Brow Bevial. Um, they're they're looking at how you make one just purely without yeast. You don't need the the multi million dollar um, dist- distillation equipment. You can just do it with some good technique and some uh, good yeast. But then because it doesn't have alcohol in and uh, the alcohol uh, is a preservative, alcohol-free beers have to be uh, pasteurised. It's a very strong recommendation that you do. But then there was a lot of discussion around does that, you know, there are whole markets that say that pasteurisation 
is something that takes beer out of craft in the same way that a whole lot of things, craft beer in cans, not craft. Craft beer with enzymes, not craft. You know, craft beer using sugar, craft lagers, not craft. I, I, I just think that necessity is going to see a conversation around, um, you know, pasteurisation because pasteurisation can potentially, you know, is, is an... We're not in 1850 pre-Louis Pasteur. Pasteurisation is an element of the brewer's um, armoury that can prevent some of these things happening. You know, the big brewers didn't um, start pasteurising their beers because they wanted to kill the flavour of it, supposedly. They didn't do it because they love um, cooking their beer. They did it because they wanted shelf-stable beer that provided a guaranteed end result to um, the, the consumer in the market. And it, it's a conversation that a mature craft beer industry needs to be willing to have. Um, and before I get the cards and letters I've had from people like Muzzin, I'm not championing pasteurisation. I'm just saying that, you know, it's a tool in the box. Actually, Prof, just before we leave the, the, the beer cartel um, uh, discussion on social media, one of the interesting things I saw, somebody after the uh, recall had got his um, beer cartel box in the mail. It, 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 it's a big um, thing, and he just said, got it, disposed of my number 25. Now, how am I going to fit this thing in the fridge? <laughs> because it would, it would have, even if it fit in the fridge, I'd, it, it, if you think of the, like 25 beers and it's like a, a, a carton of beer, you get it, it's the height of summer, and suddenly people are... And, and you can't open it because if you open it, you spoil the surprise. Listeners, tell us how you're dealing with your um, advent calendars. Are you keeping it out and then on the morning of day 25 opening the beer and then chilling that beer down to enjoy that night? Or are you have you got a special beer fridge that's big enough to accommodate your advent calendar? Because if you've got a whole lot of people brewing one-off beers that are being stored at ambient temperature... Um, it's not surprising that some of these are looking like an American football. You might get Christmas and 4th of July all in one. Uh, the other thing you could do, Matt, you could, uh, well, what I'd be doing, I'd be jumping on the phone and calling 1300 852 235 because here's an opportunity f- for someone like Rowling's label stickers and packaging who are great supporters of this particular podcast because what you could do, it, presumably there's a slot where each beer goes, if instead of that having just a slot, there was a little cardboard box. You could put the can in the cardboard box. Then you can take the cardboard, the little cardboard sleeves out of the main carton. It would have the number on it. It'd have a little... You could do that. You could do... I'm I'm sure some clever gentleman like that... I've got to stop having these... Great ideas, and then releasing them publicly before I get to well, patent them. But but you are giving them to our good friends. But in all seriousness, there is an opportunity there for Rallings to do a little prototype. Yeah, you know, obviously before next year. But you could have a little question mark, the little beer cartel logo, and you know, ooh, surprise! You take that out of the the box, the surprise is still intact. Or you could do a, a beer can. Um, uh, a little bit like that T-shirt. You know, I'm a bomb disposal expert. If you see me running, keep try and keep up. This is the point at which we dive elbow deep into the mailbag on this particular podcast. Absolutely, and and, and thank you to all of. Again, it's been a great week. It, 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 I've been kept uh, company on my travels uh, by keeping in touch with the 
some of the great discussions going on in the Facebook group. And just on that, Matt, can I take this opportunity to thank our readers who I think had every right to uh, flip the bird metaphorically at you each time you... Uh, you know, posted where you were and, you know, sitting in some ambassador's lounge, you know, <laughs> God, racking up frequent flyer points and having people fate you and swanning around with famous people, you know, in breweries. <laughs> but instead, they wished you well and inquired after your health and, and made suggestions. So good on them. Yeah. Oh, mate, I'll I tell you what, I, I, I wish it wasn't such a big uh, beer week. Uh, it'd be a news week because... Leafman's um, talking about uh, anyway. Yeah, I, I think we could almost do a whole other um, podcast talking about. Well, maybe maybe you could do a little uh, bonus content, a little extra. Uh, yeah, for our Facebook group listeners, like we did um, at, at Stone, just those all those little extra bits, your musings, your observations, the things that you know. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It might make no, this I'll, podcast I'll too long, but you could, you know. I'll, I'll come back, and we might do a yeah, we might do a tete a tete. Just sort of like, yeah, you, you, you interview me, so it's just not me monologuing. I spend enough time on this monologuing as it is. And now, don't forget, you can review us, and we would appreciate it if you would review us on iTunes, or you can send us an email, uh, and you'll be in the draw for the Letter of the Week. You can leave us a message on Facebook or producer at brewsnews.com.au. Make sure you do, if you hear your name called out, or if you, if you do send something in, send us a postal address as well. And everyone who does send us uh, a message or communes with us electronically in any of those formats, uh, it does go into the draw to win a, uh, thanks to our, our good friends at Beer Cartel, a six mixed six-pack of Australian uh, independent beer. We have had quite a few messages, so we'll keep it, we'll slim it down a little bit and keep it relevant to uh, particularly some of the stuff that we've spoken about in this particular podcast. Uh, and this one from um, Nick Muman on the Advent Calendar Recall. I think Beer Cartel have done a good job managing this. I mean, I've seen the post everywhere. What took me about the video was Richard near the end. It's interesting to see the impact of recalls and other challenges in a more human light. Once they've got through it, I think it would be an interesting interview. Uh, that's a really good suggestion, and we will. Um, we will sort of sit down with them. And, uh, and, and that's one of the reasons why I didn't want to trivialise the, the, the situation, because those guys were really shaken. Like, I was, I was, on, a plane, I was on a train when uh, Richard tried to call and uh, let me know about it. Um, he, he sent me a message. We got it out straight away. It, it, it wasn't something that we needed to do an article on um, to drive traffic to our website. We just shared their post because that was going to help get it out there. And they, they, they feel terrible. They are really committed to their customer experience. Um, and it, 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 it was a, like a, they, they looked really drawn in that in that video. I have to say so. Uh, yeah, no, it was. Thank, thank you for Mick uh, for pointing that out. And uh, I should also say thank you to people who hear their letters mentioned on the podcast, who then follow up with an email with their address. Don't feel that you're being grasping or putting your hand out. That's the way that we need to do it because if you're posting on, we, we, we can't respond to everything that we do. If you hear your letter, um, like uh, Nick please follow up with a, um, an, an email to producer and Sam will get a uh, bar blade out to you and you go in the running automatically. Shane Jaspritzer, who often pops up on the, uh, in, the, in the comment section of, uh, and posts, you know, keeps us informed, uh, what is the relationship between Lion Australia and Lion Little World Beverages? Did Lion Australia actually buy New Belgium? Uh, and then a response from Dave Croft. My understanding was that Kieran have positioned Lion Australia to manage its craft lines under the banner of Little World Beverages. I uh, could be off the mark though. Wouldn't be the first time with these structures. Ultimately, 
it's Kieran. You know, Kieran has made the purchase, but you know, it, it, it's a little bit. It, yeah, and it, it is a, a difficult kind of corporate web. I guess trying to work out who owns who and how it all fits together. Yeah, yeah, and and it's just like when there was all the debates about ZX Ventures, um, you know, owning something. As and so we're not owned by AB InBev. You're owned by AB InBev. Z, ZX, you know, you, you may have a little bit more autonomy. You may not appear on the balance sheet at the same thing, but you are subject to the 100% uh, direction. And I would imagine, and uh, no doubt our good uh, legal friend, uh, James O'Mon might correct me on this, um, you know, if you're a 100% owned, owned entity of any one, um, you owe them the full fiduciary, fiduciary um, interest, uh, uh, fiduciary responsibility um, that you owe them and their shareholders because that's the, the, the way the law works. So I, I believe that that's it. Um, but it, not, not, not that it matters. Um, but, yeah, so it's just uh, Little World Beverages is the um, that manages this. And I guess it also gives somebody a job title. So I am the, you know, Matt Tapper is the head of um, Craft Beverages Global. Um, and so, yeah, so that was that. So thank you. Yep. Uh, and the last one from Ben Carter on the Australian Brews News Facebook page, read the cornflake beer decision. Uh, and he pulls the quote, uh, a reasonable person would likely believe the packaging has a strong or evident appeal to minors, to which uh, Ben replies, absolute garbage, total nanny state rubbish. One upside could be that as a very new brewery, One Drop have had a ton of exposure over this. Yeah, and, and look, I mean, I, mean, that, we, we, I don't want to go back over that, but I, I, I guess that's an example of, like, I think Ben's missing the point, is that it's not having appeal to minors doesn't mean you're targeting minors, um, and there are reasons beyond being a nanny state, that you don't want to make alcohol attractive to children. Yeah, yeah. And, and totally independent of independence or, you know, this whole thing of, of craft, forget all that, it, it, we need to start looking at, at brand beer. No matter who's making it, we need to keep, keep an eye on it, make sure we're self-regulating because, yeah, as we said, the, uh, the alternative is, is nasty. Yep, and the, the upside is that one drop got a lot of exposure, absolutely, and that's why they did it. They're not breaking any new ground with the beer, they're not changing the world, they're not striking a blow for, for the independence of uh, craft beer. They were looking for some headlines and they got them. Saw a marketing opportunity and, and ran with it. Speaking of running, I'm guessing that uh, as the sun comes up in Amsterdam, as it slowly sets here in the west, in Melbourne. Mate, it's still dark. It's pitch black outside. Yeah, because you'd said I'm down in the brewer's cellar, I, I just assumed that's that's why it would be dark. So what is it, 6, 7 a.m.? Uh, 7 a.m. The sun's just, not up uh, yet? Another good 45 minutes, yeah. yeah. It, it, it's, it's, it's a really weird feeling where you get about five minutes of midday um, when the sun's up, but then, you know, as soon as the clock ticks, you know, one o'clock, it feels like it's... Five o'clock in the afternoon. Well, because it, it just never really reaches high in the sky. It's just, you know. So, yeah, so uh, you, you, you spend your afternoon in perpetual evening. Well, that's um, good. You don't have to wait cool. too long till it's beer o'clock. No, exactly. Uh, no worries. We'll let you get back to it, Matt. Safe travels. Thank you, Pete. So you, you're in the sightseeing tour. You've done all the, the official duties. They're all they're all over, so to speak. Yeah, Brow and uh, the uh, Fermenter Sharing Day, which, uh, again, there was just so much out of that. There's so much interesting stuff. I, I, I've never thought that sitting in a classroom learning about yeast would have been so interesting. The, 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 the research that's going on into yeast and what it does and how it can help brewers and understanding the flavours that yeast is throwing off and the, the, you know, the upsides and the downsides of any particular yeast... Um, 
it, it's it's was really really interesting so yeah it, it's been an amazing trip i've got to do some great things you know at, at breweries and meet some awesome people but it's just been so um educational and uh, yeah um I, I won't cross promote um here but there, there's some interesting stuff that's going to be happening in uh, in in australia that will let um brewers um participate as well so we'll, we'll sort of take that uh to, to another channel excellent and on that note safe travels matt when are you back down under? Uh, jump back into a long flight in a tin can next Tuesday morning, our time. So I land uh, late Wednesday afternoon. So next Thursday morning, uh, you're going to have a uh, very jet-lagged me, um, probably able to record at our usual time. All right, well, we'll see how we go. We'll, we'll do what we did last time and see how jet-lag's kicking in. And But we won't let our listeners down. That's, that's all they need to know. Again, it's just nice to be able to, and thank you to our producer Joe, because it's nice to be able to record this under trying circumstances, but then not have to worry about editing it. So, you know, um, the the fact that we can do it and stay regular, even when we're working this sort of uh, odd hours, is very much thank you to our, um, you know, all of the people who make Radio Brews News possible, whether it's the people who kick in $5 a month, um, you know, as a thanks um, to us, or whether it's the, you know, Rallings, uh, Unleash Software, um, or the the, the Cryer Malts who really uh, anchored this. Um, yeah, so and they make Joe and the, the the regularity with which we are it doesn't make the, the the content any better, but it at least gets it out there such as it is. That's it. Time and distance mean nothing anymore. Uh, Radio Bridge News will we'll still get out with thanks to yourself, myself, and especially Joe, of course, uh, in particular, but also to Cryer Malt, to Rallings Label Stickers and Packaging, and to Beer Cartel for helping us out, supporting us, making this all possible. And of course, to you, the listeners, for listening. Thank you very much. I'm Pete Mitchum. He's Matt Kierkegaard, toit like a toiger, all the way from Amsterdam. That's it for this week. We'll see you again for another episode next week of Good Brews Week. I'll send you a postcard from uh, Brewdog Berlin. I may not get to Brisbane, but I'll get to Berlin. First we take Manhattan and then we take Berlin, Pete. And we're out. Don't forget, if you like what we do here at Radio Brews News, you can help us out in a number of ways. You can sponsor the show either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation. You'll find details in the show notes. You can also review us on iTunes or whatever your favourite podcasting service happens to be. Let us know what you think and help others find and discover our shows. Finally, you can tell us what you think about what's going on in the beer industry by emailing us at producer at brewsnews.com.au. All letters received will receive in return, as by way of thanks, a Brews News bottle opener. And thanks to our very good friends at Beer Cartel, the letter of the week will receive a mixed six-pack of great Australian beer. We love hearing your thoughts on the stories we cover because, as you may have heard, beer is a conversation.